0: Oh boy, Jack Tuckner and Deborah O'Rell here. Greetings, PRN listeners of the Women's Rights in the Workplace show. We're thrilled to be with you here today. And how are you, Deborah?
1: Fantastic. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. So, Today, you know, we were discussing earlier that there's plenty of radio shows for people who are, you know, I understand there's about, they say, 52 unclaimed minutes that we each have each day in our cars for those of us who do drive to work. And people do listen, of course, mostly to radio or to audio books, podcasts, and so forth. Most of the time, people can choose to listen to, well, you know, otherwise, perhaps more... Programs that have a little more variety or celebrities. With us, all we can do is say each week we want to bring you some empowering news, some information that you might actually use that you wouldn't hear listening to Howard Stern. You may not laugh as hard. You may not. You may. (laughs) may, And you may not. I think
1: you're funny.
0: Oh, thanks, Deb. Um, But uh, you know, maybe you don't, and we're trying to. We're dealing with, of course, the subject of work, which while often often uh, is hilarious in kind of an absurdist way uh, in our culture these days, very difficult, challenging. Many of us are not happy, fulfilled, earning enough, are not actualized these days. Right How many of, of you out there are listening and saying, boy, am I thrilled and lucky and secure um, and happy with my job? In fact, I think, except for people who um, work—I mean, I I suppose—if you're a bond trader or a hedge fund manager or someone who, right now, makes all the money that they can possibly want and is secure in one's profession or job and is, you know, again fulfilled and is looking forward to retirement, terrific. You're still one of the very lucky few. Or you work for a municipality, or you work for, you know, the government, and you know that. Your, you hope that your pension will be safe, but you know that your job is safe, and you know how much money you and your family have each week, and it's enough. But you know what? We know here that for many of us, it's not enough, and there's a lot of fear involved for us. Right? The only we're the only species right on the planet that actually has to think these thoughts and worry about. You know, in a sense, our own, you know, survival day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year, right? And mm-hmm. many of us these days, because of the changes over the last 35 years in, you know, supply-side economics and Reaganomics and offshoring and outsourcing and all of the evils of, you know, the, the sort of chamber of commerce, the, the Reagan sort of corporate counter-revolution taking over our culture, we still have people, right, making seven twenty-five an hour.
1: Exactly. And they should be glad they're making 7.25 an hour, because according to some political parties, you should have the right to work for four dollars if that's what you want to work
0: for. Right. Exactly. Rand Paul. Well, not Rand Paul. It's every single Republican candidate. Really. There, there isn't oh, any. True. No Republican candidates are in favor of increasing the, the the minimum wage, and it's just again, it's it's just. You would think, and of course, we know why it 's because the those who are feeding them the ability to stay in business as politicians would not like it if they said we 're in favor of raising the the ta- you know raising all boats because all of us know that actually follow any basic Keynesian economics, if you know the first thing about econ one o one it 's not about keeping it all to yourself and letting everybody else you know the, the, the freedom to sleep under a bridge as you're talking about republicans talk about the freedom to work the three dollars an hour if that's what the market will bear because there is no protections there are no safety you know what we're going to be talking about today before we we want to because we're women's rights lawyers and most of the time and most of our shows since we've been on the air at, at the progressive radio network have been gender issues, pregnancy discrimination, sexual harassment. We've come back to issues in paid sick time and issues that while it affect everyone, probably affect working women more um, than others and we focus on that as our unique um, concentration, but there are numerous other categories of protections. You don't have to be a female and it doesn't have to be a female issue. There are women who are older, of color, disabled, etc. Um, who also face discrimination every day. And every little ounce of support and help and information, empowering information helps us. Um, So perhaps today if you hear or if one day someone hears something we talk about today that just gives you a a, a leg up or you you know just enough information at the right time before it's a minute too late, which happens all the time when people are sort of a dollar short and a day late Mm -hmm. and don't get the jump on, you know, they're way more um, you know, powerful uh, and entra- presumed innocent employer who, again, has the right to, your employer, unless you have a union contract, and very few of us do, fire you at any time for any reason or no reason at all. They don't need a reason ever. So
1: Even union employees, because unions themselves don't have the juice that they once did while you uh... may not walk in and be told clean out your desk you're done today more and more people who are with unions just don't have that leverage anymore for the union to fight back because their resources are limited and they are picking and choosing the the cases that they're gonna you know call in that they're going to put resources against so sadly Union protection isn't what it used to be. And I would say practically to a one, everybody who calls this office, when I start to do an intake and I begin to go through, okay, I'm not an attorney, I don't give legal advice, but I'm going to share some information about how this process works and to inform people what little rights employees actually have. And as I begin to say, your employer is allowed to be mean, rude, nasty, hostile, disrespectful, unreasonable, and irrational. And they're allowed to call you names, and they're allowed to say, I'm going to fire you every day, and they're allowed to create a hostile work environment. Everybody is like, how can that be? That just can't be right. And the real clincher, um, one of my part of what I speak, uh, what I share, is your employer can terminate you for stealing you could have a lie detector test that proves you didn't steal as well as having video footage showing you were never in the stockroom you couldn't possibly have stolen and still be fired for stealing and every you can hear the jaws dropping as they hit the, the desk because most people assume that this is not tolerated and yet i will then say this is one of the only countries, and if you look at globally, there were only nine countries, and we're talking about like Papua New Guinea and these little bizarre places. The United States is one of the only countries in the world that does not offer paid maternity leave. Iraq and Iran have paid, Syria has paid maternity leave. We don't. So I say if, if that's, you know, if that speaks to our values, then why do you think you can't be fired? Because uh, pick a reason for some faccata crazy, crazy ass reason. And so sadly, so I go through and I explain all of these things, and I will say to every caller, my hope is that um, that everything that you hear on this call, that you will share this information with friends and family, so that the more people understand, the more we can all be protected, our jobs, our families, our homes. Because, uh, sadly, when people call here, sometimes it's a little bit late. And maybe if they had called before or they had known what to do before, they could have protected themselves just a little bit better. So that's what the goal of this show is today, to... Um, because we have discussed pregnancy, as Jack, as you were just saying, um, pregnancy and sexual harassment we 've done a number of shows on that. now we 're going to review disability discrimination, people getting hurt at work, people just being hurt, and are they is your employer allowed to mm. fire you because you got hurt? Um, age discrimination. Are you protected? you feel like maybe they're letting go of all the old people or you know the, the uh, there was a reorg or there was a co- there was a takeover and they seem to be getting rid of all the older people is that legal or not or what to do so that's what we're going to talk about today we're going to what i want to just like jump into unless you wanted to add anything well i
0: hope we have someone on to answer those questions <laughs> no, it was, it was a nice little rant, Deb. But it was good. And uh, you may, we may, we may get I let um, you
1: go on and no, on. No, it was great. Yeah, I appreciate saying.
0: that. It was, well, I like rants. Okay, well. Although you may want to, we're going to get lots of email now from those Papua New Guineans that say they were offended that, you know, you called them a little bizarro. So, apologies. You didn't mean that. You meant those kind of countries that are a little bit but off the Never heard of. Map. Right. And they have more civilized leave laws that right. we do in the exceptional United States of America. Exactly. exactly. No, I, I Listen, what I was starting to say before, and you're exactly right, before 1963, 1963, many of you were not alive yet, but we were, Deborah and I, and it wasn't that long ago, and prior to it, there was no Civil Rights Act. Mm-hmm. There was no Civil Rights Act. You could be fired for being black. You could be fired because of your national origin. You could be fired because you're a girl. Okay, all of the, these were, this is all of recent vintage. That's why when you tell people on the phone to, you know, tell somebody, tell your friends, you may you probably do tell them, vote, get involved, well, pass it on.
1: That's what I say. You
0: know, it's, a, it's not a spectator sport democracy, so we do need to all be involved because it has gotten appreciably worse since corporations have become so powerful, and all of this is of recent vintage, too. Culminating with the last couple of cases, such as Citizens United, but and as we always say, corporations are now persons. Women's hmm, not so much. The Equal Rights Amendment right. still hasn't passed. But but so if we're talking today about the protected categories that are not, you know, that are not the ones we typically talk about, sex. They are race and color, and race and color are different. So that who you are as a person of color may be different from your identifiable or identified with race. So if you are dark-skinned, it doesn't mean, of course, you're African-American. People often will say that about now every person of color. is an African-American, the person says, well, I'm not African-American, thank you very much. Right. I'm from wherever, or I'm from the Caribbean Basin, or I'm simply not African, I'm black or I'm dark or I'm brown. But, but the color of your skin in and of itself is a protected status. And, of course, so is your race, your religion, Sex is also, of course, part of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and national origin. So these were, though, the principal categories. This is all there was, but it was a really good start. And When you talk about these sort of highly scrutinized categories, race, color, religion, sex, um, and national origin, um, we could certainly sort of start with those, but I'll say this. Just thereafter, under federal law, um, became disability under the Americans with Disabilities Act, uh, along about 1991, I believe. And there is also, of course, protection, uh, for, uh, equal pay, the Equal Pay Act, um of 1963. And the age became, in 1967, the Age Discrimination Employment Act was the first of the age discrimination statutes. That protects us when we turn 40 you know, at the sort of doddering old age of 40, suddenly uh, things change in terms of what your employer has to do
1: yeah. to and, and with you. And with that, even though the law says 40, it really is 50 in terms of, isn't it, though, in trying to really prove the case? Because how different is being 37 and 41 in terms of trying to say that you were being discriminated against? Because at that time, you know, 40 might have been considered over the hill, <laughs> right. where now, you know, 60 is the new 30. Well, so
0: I know, but, I, you know, you can't wear that T-shirt at the court, like, 50 is the new 40. And ch- No, I mean, I understand what you're saying in terms of the optics of it, because these days if you say to someone, and we're firing you, if a 40-year-old comes into our office and says, they fired me because of my age, and we see the, you know, average sort of fit, you know, good-looking young youngish person who's 40 – um, it may not, it may not have this sort of, you know, litigational oomph that you need if that's what you're sort of talking about when you get to be obviously more middle aged. But no, but it is forty. Well, technically, it's 40.
1: it's forty, and especially it's forty if you're working with a lot of twenty year olds. But that, well, that will get into the age part and those particulars in a minute. You know what? I want to just do. Mm. Okay. Well, 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 first, let's just review. So if someone feels that their civil rights are being violated, meaning you are being treated differently because of your age, race, gender, nationality, sexual orientation, disability, having taken some sort of maternity or disability leave, the four steps that are the same no matter what your, you know, category is, let's review those four things that anyone should do. And the (coughs) first one is our big one.
0: Don't quit. Right. Don't quit, because obviously the whole point is, it is uh, this is a, a jobs case. It's not a personal injury case. You're not hurt physically. You're not sick. Um, it's all about the conditions, the privileges, kind of the benefits, basically the pay of your job. When most people lose their job illegally and say, I'm going to call us a law firm and we're going to sue, For discrimination, we're going to sue for wrongful discharge, which is sort of a way that people think about it. Well, I I was not really an actual cause of action, but it was this was not right. It's illegal, and it was wrongful. Well, it's only wrongful, right? That's what Deborah was just talking about before, and we talk about each week. It's not wrongful because they're jerks. It's not wrongful because your boss is a bully. It's not wrongful because they scream and yell all the time or they pick on you. And it's not wrongful because the whole thing is, you know, they lie and they make stuff up and, you know, they, they just treat you like dirt. That's legal. So you're allowed to be treated like dirt. So if, you, if they're treating you like dirt and you quit? Well, even if you have a case, I haven't even gotten to that, you've just thrown out the baby with the bathwater, right? Because what well, you just what you give up your own job for. Well so their go,
1: attorney will say well they quit. How could we have right. tried to work this out? But their
0: attorney would be right. Right. Because if you again when you when you take your marbles and go home and forfeit the game you lose, right, in right. stickball. You lose. Exactly. So you give up, you go home, get another job, but don't whine about it. But unless you, there are rare circumstances, if you're someone who's in a workplace where you'll know this, if this is happening to you or a loved one, where it is so outrageous, it's so bad, and you've tried. Somebody is, you're trying. Your loved one is trying. You're leaving a, you have a record of trying to fix it. So let's say it's racial. There's such hostility you know, pervasive, severe hostility that is completely demeaning you and your and your work. You're going bananas. You, you're working in this, you know, in a Jim Crow, sick, hostile, bigoted environment. Uh, or as a woman, you're working in the locker room, and it's just it's just it's outrageous. You're they're driving you crazy, and you're trying, and they just make it worse for you. If you quit. Where they're kind of running you out of town on the ra- on a rail, and that's what their intention is to get you to quit. And no reasonable person would possibly like stay there without running out, screaming, crying into the you know into the street. Still,
1: don't quit. Still Call don't quit, a right? <laughs> still don't before quit, you do it. right?
0: Because because that's still that an uphill battle. What I was saying is when that even happens you still have to prove that they intended to make you quit.
1: And you have to prove that you've notified them of the discrimination that you have.
0: And you have to prove that it's so outrageous that that no one could have possibly stayed there. So you just put yourself in a... Much more compromised, diminished state, and even more importantly, when you quit, you give up a lot of your negotiating leverage right. if you were ever. Because one of the things, and I'll just say here for anybody who might pick this up while they're driving or listening while they're doing their yoga or what have you, if you're in a bad situation for whatever reason at work, your ch- chances are you're not ever suing them. Ever. The only thing really comes down to, and most of the time, it's just like we always hear, you hear if you're listening to the news or watching television, you know, 99% of cases settle eventually. It's not like TV, that's true. If you have a difficult situation at work, it may very well be that you can resolve this and fix it, either they'll make it better for you, or you can work out a divorce, that's what you want, a divorce sometimes, where you leave and can get something for yourself, severance, a buffer, some money, So that you can find another job, find another mate to use the same, you know, you have time to say this didn't work out and now, you know what, it wasn't really my fault, but at least I taught them a lesson and I held them accountable and I Mm -hmm. leveraged myself six months' pay and unemployment benefits and a good reference, okay? Nice. Not rich, but now I get to get some unemployment and find the place that respects me. So, and that I appreciate working for, and everything happens for a reason and purpose, they say, and ultimately serves us. That would be terrific, except that if you quit, so back to it, you have just, you know, thrown yourself on your own sword and...
1: Lost legal Well,
0: you lost it all. You, and you can and then again, finally, you cannot even collect unemployment yeah. when you quit. Don't quit unemployment benefits in a city like New York. It's 400, and I think it's about to go up to $410 a week for six months to, from 405. <laughs> Maybe it's going up to 415. I think it's still 405, but it's still it's $10,000 for six months. It, you know, when you're unemployed, it comes in handy, and you don't get it when you quit. You do not get it when you quit because the Department of Labor in your state says, The heck with you, you quit, you gave up money. Why, why okay. should we go watch TV? You know, so the second step,
1: which you started to mention there, so first is don't quit, and the second is you must notify your employer.
0: Yeah, so 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 if if when when you're feeling because of who you are, um, as you know, if it's because of your age, you're feeling that you you know now that you've turned fifty and you notice, and this this we see this all the time. We just had a, I just had a case that resolved. Of course, it was someone in their 60s, but it doesn't matter. But the question of are they bringing in younger people, are they trending young, and sometimes they do that not so much because they want some, like, young-looking faces around, but because they're cheaper, but still it can be age discrimination when that's what they're doing, and that's we're going to get all these these, these millennials, if that's what they are still, 20-somethings, and pay them much less than we're paying you. Now that you're 60, I don't want to put you out the pasture. So if you're feeling that before you're fired, I mean, obviously, this notify your employer is not after you're fired, if you wait till you're fired, but the concept is that you're sensitive in the workplace to how you're being treated by your employer. So that if, because of, again, who you are as a Jew, as a Muslim, as a 55 year old woman, as someone who was recently injured, or if you're in a wheelchair, if you're a lesbian, and you could pretty much, unless you're a white male which by the way i suppose you know you could have discrimination you could have so-called reverse discrimination just discrimination if you're a 32 year old tall white male but most of the time tall white men in our culture right are, are are privileged and are not experiencing the type of sort of backlash or poor treatment that's not based on you know white male it's sort of it's like it's, our, it's the white male's job to lose. It's the white male's job to screw up. You have to screw it up. Right. Usually you're given the benefit of the doubt, <laughs> right? You, you know. I walk into court as a white male. It's like, okay, probably in a suit. He's a lawyer. He probably looks, He looks like a lawyer as a default. And I always used to say, if I didn't say it on the show once, 20-some, five years ago when I was a young legal aid lawyer with long hair and an earring, I was. There wasn't a person in the South Bronx in those courthouses that didn't assume when I walked in, long hair, earring or not, that I was a lawyer. Nobody ever said to me, "Wait for your lawyer." And I've seen in those very courthouses, black attorneys, and one in particular, distinguished-looking man with, you know, I've mentioned this on the show, just be told asked by a white young court officer to get out of the front row where the attorneys and cops sit and wait for his lawyer. Because he couldn't have just assumed that, even though he was wearing a suit, he's a black guy and he wasn't a lawyer. And I heard, and I heard his very hurt response when he just—that must have heard it a million times in his life.
1: Right.
0: So it's just real. But anyway, so back to if you're feeling this at work, where you know what, there's no question that because of the, you're just being treated differently. I wouldn't wait till you know, wait till the other shoe drops. If you think that there is something about someone said something, you've got a new supervisor. They are acting differently towards you, and you know you're being excluded. You need to bring this to the attention of your employer. It could start very eloquently and it, you know, you don't have to make a federal case out of it initially, right? You don't have to write a, you don't have to hire a lawyer and get, you know, lawyered up and write a please be advised letter, I'll see you in court. In fact, that's not the right thing to do if you actually want to keep your job. If you want to keep your job, it's your responsibility to write to your employer, and I say write because what's formal about it is the writing Especially if there's, you know, you send it in a way that you, they can't say they didn't get it, even these days. If you email it, chances are they'll respond to it and they can't actually delete it from the server. But historically, we would say, send it by a courier like a FedEx. They're getting cheaper and cheaper. You could do the cheapo FedEx for $8 over three days. Or a certified mail return receipt requested and support our post office. And our biggest unionized labor force in the country, and then, gather, you'll have a, a receipt that they received it. But you could also go talk to them like a person and say to the HR person, "You know what? Today in work, I just felt, or I've been feeling, excluded because of everybody here is thus and such, or a little different, and they never pick me for the teams. And I actually feel it's because I'm Ukrainian, and I've been feeling this, you know, ever since or somebody made fun of my." Accent and it's you know what they're laughing and it's just becoming it's like I'm I'm feeling like I'm in high school again it's just and I'm, and I'm upset about it it's not really helping my morale and what should I well you know what again you don't have to make it where you know where you're suddenly they they think you're threatening them you're asking for some support by writing to if your company has a human resource department it can be. Just your boss. It could be the person you're supposed to be writing to in your company. It could be the president of the company, who you're supposed to talk to and bring this to them. But remember what it's about. It's not about that you're that you're okay, whining. I'm just a
1: little bit confused by what you said because first you said you got to put it in writing, and then you just said you can go and well, talk to Well, you're right. Somebody. Thank you. So the reason I keep to be clear. Yes. The, I... Ideally, you want to keep your job. Yes. So you go. You try and see if you can discuss it first with whoever it is. That is in the position to fix it.
0: Right, right.
1: See it a manager, a supervisor, a whatever, and say, you know, that I've applied for this promotion several times, I seem to be being treated differently, held to a different standard, I'm feeling it's because of this. Do I, is there anything
0: here? Right. What could we do? Right. Exactly. You're right. It should be formal because you want to be able to prove that they heard your complaint. Okay, but that's but, but the, re, but the reason. But the reason I'm saying, I think everybody can finally understand this if I maybe say it this way. I, I'm not a big believer, right, in people saying to someone, you know, don't say anything to anybody until your employer gets that FedEx letter Monday morning and it's like, please be advised, and they open it up. And I'm just saying that you should – If you complain to your employer, this is not black and white. Let me explain why. If you did what Deborah was just saying and complained to your employer verbally by the water cooler, you know what, I'm kind of bummed. I'm bumming lately. I wasn't invited to this. I'm being excluded. I think it's because of my age or what have you. And I'm really starting to feel kind of treated differently. I'm feeling like discrimination. Can you please help me? And the person's water cooler says to you, you know, no problem. I hear you. I feel you, brother. And then they go in the back and say, hey, so, you know, Deborah Jack has been kind of whining and he's using terms that are like, you know, giving us red flags discrimination, disparate treatment. The next thing you know, now they really, dis- you know, now they write you up. Now they put you on a performance improvement plan. Now they fire you. That's retaliation, but guess what? You can't prove it because you just told them by a water cooler and they make some stuff up about what you did before. So the paper trail is very important. I just like to talk about it. and I tell people, you could talk to someone like a human being, but you go to your HR person and say, by the way, I'm complaining I didn't get this you know, promotion, and I feel it's because of my age. And, you know, tomorrow morning you're going to get a letter in here from me, too. i got to protect myself. I'm just telling you as a person because I'm a, you know, I just want to talk to you like a human being, tell you what's going on. But the upshot of what Deborah is saying, I'm saying. Is that it needs to be a formal notification so that you really you, you could you could if you have to scrap one of these things I'm saying then scrap the verbal, and you leave the writing, and the writing is the idea is that you have now date stamped your civil rights complaint by saying right on April fifth, two thousand fifteen they got from you a letter that said I ever since I came back from from well we're going to ever since you know what whatever 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 since I have complained. Or ever since I converted to Judaism or whatever it is, I have been feeling that my career here has taken a dive for the worst. And I need you to look into it. You have to investigate that. That's the company's job. And the idea of putting it in writing is you put the balls in their court. So that's step number two.
1: Here's the simple letter, just to narrow it down. I feel I'm being discriminated. I feel I'm being treated differently because of fill-in-the-blank. Give one or two very specific incidences or comments that support the claim of discrimination. Keep it simple. Keep the letter to one page. And the right. last sentence is, I want this investigated. I look forward to hearing from you. And you send this letter in a verifiable way, Federal Express, certified mail, whatever you want, just some way that you can prove it. Right. And then step three is wait and see how they respond. Because you can't take your next step until you see how they respond. Right. Because they could say, "Oh my God, Jack! I can't believe you feel that way. I'm so sorry. How can we fix this?"
0: Right. Or, right.
1: through you, you're fired." Right. Or, "We're going to look into it," and they could take three months to look into right. it. So again, you have to see how it they respond. Change. Yeah, before you, you know, make a next move.
0: Exactly. And Outstanding. Then,
1: yeah, right. and then step Nicely four. Said. Yeah, if don't quit, and it's that
0: important. If <laughs> right. It repeating. right. I mean, the the long and the short of it is, and Deborah's was absolutely right. It's so from you know, don't quit to basically you're simply saying it's almost common sense. You're giving your employer the chance to fix what you feel. Remember, if what you feel is unfair, and what you feel is just not right and screwed up and just totally you know unjust. Doesn't rise to the level of illegal because it's not based on anything. Like they just don't like the way you dress, or the, the you know the cut of your jib, or whatever. They just don't like the way you roll. Unless the way
1: your jib, well, whatever
0: the jib of your Jeez, whatever the expression is. I don't white something. I don't <laughs> that's, even that's know old. what that is. Well, it's probably all like mangled whatever <laughs> I'm trying to say completely. But but if they don't like, you know, you, um, and, and it's not for a protected class, they're allowed to. And unless you could spin it, you could feel it this way where it's like, no, no, we don't like you. Not because you're 116th Native American, which we just found out about or we never knew. It's not because of that. Or we don't not like you because you're a person of color because we hired you. Guess what? You were black a year ago, and we saw it. I'm the guy who's firing you now, and I hired you, and you were black. It's not about that. It's about this is the reason why we're and often, of course, not often, always that's going to be what they say. So if you're feeling that this, no, 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 but I know, and we all know, and here's the part that we all know: we know in a culture that now the report. I don't you know that, that I don't remember who the latest report on gender. Pay inequality. said so women will catch up to men in like the year 2072. You know, after we have artificial hearts that we print out of machines.
1: years from now.
0: Exactly. We'll be you know living on Mars before women get pay equity, and the fact that we live in a culture that is clearly racist. I mean, we don't have. It is clearly racist, alive and well. You know, and, it, and and probably more so, in a lot of ways, more entrenched now that it's sort of we've just kind of twisted and everybody. We bring along the rubes in the Republican Party when it's all about money, and everybody has these wedge issues that, you know, are about sort of hatred and bias and differences. Um, okay, we,
1: well, let, we're digressing just yeah. a little bit here now. So I, I, I did want to cover some of these okay. specifics. So the idea was just to go through, if you're feeling discriminated against, these are the four steps.
0: Well, what's your goals when you do that? What is
1: what goal? What is, your,
0: what is this employee, this person who's listening, who says, you know what, I, I, this is perfectly timely for me because I've been feeling like um, they're messing with me because um, I turned 50, right? So you do this. So let's talk about this. So the person says, I want this job. I'm really grieving that I'm feeling this type of distress at work, right? I don't want to lose my job. I just notice I'm feeling badly because I'm old, because they're treating like shit because I'm old, right? Is that what we're starting? So what the person complains says to the employer, I want you to look into this, right? Because I expect you to fix it. I'm not doing this as a setup. I want you to know that I'm a valued employee. I've been here for 20 years. Can you please look into this? Joe, John, Jimmy, Jane. They're messing with me now because of fill in the blank. As Deborah said before, what about if they do the right thing and they fix it? And whatever it is, they give you your, they fix it. They say, stop, no more of this. And we're watching everybody. Thank you for letting us know. Live in peace. I hope you have another 20 years with this company. We love you then it's over, right? You've just right. fixed it, and that's the reason you've done it. But it's that if they didn't, if they don't fix it, and it just makes and that's why the letter that you're writing and the discussion you have with them is not a, like a setup. It's supposed to be, please help me with this. It's, it's You're saying to them you feel you're being discriminated against. You're saying, I feel like I'm being treated differently because I'm black or old or what have you. But you're saying that that's not right, and you're very upset, and you're an outstanding employee, and you've served this company so well, and you please want them to help you. But if they don't help you, if things get worse as a result of it, the point of doing it is that you're in a much stronger place then, first of all, to protect your job because they know usually they can't or they shouldn't and often won't fire a person who's just made a civil rights complaint because they get what that means. And what that means is so you should know, is you've got leverage because then if it can't the marriage can't be saved, you can get a divorce settlement. And that's also known as severance. So and you know, it's helpful if you have an attorney who knows what he or she is doing to help you navigate that. But often you even you're just saying if you knew enough saying, you know what? No, I'm here and if you don't want me to be here, I'll leave, I'll sign a release saying I won't talk bad about this company. I won't sue you. I won't go to the EEOC. I won't blog about it. You're going to pay me a year's pay. I want some, I want something because I'm I'm beside myself. So the idea is either I was just getting to they're either going to you're doing this for a reason, not just because the lawyers told you you want it. You want to save your job, and if you can't save your job, you want to be in a position where you're not just like every other schnook that has to just like you know right walk out the door and get on the breadline, right? Right. Okay. So what do you want to talk about now? <laughs>
1: All right. Well, I wanted to specifically discuss, uh, in particular, disability discrimination. Okay. Let's do that. So, um, a typical call, or a typical situation, is um, I've been working for this company for six years. Everything has been great. Um, a year ago, I got I was in a car accident, and I had to be out for eight weeks you know rehab recovery and got my letter from my doctor clearing me to come back uh... with or without a reasonable accommodation but let's just start with i was a hundred percent cleared to come back i notified my employer i'm ready to come back april first and since i got back i don't have my same job they're treating me a little bit hostilely like oh well i guess you were sitting home, eating bonbons while we were, you know, doing all your work for you, um, they the company may be treating you a little bit hostily because of having taken this leave. Or, yeah, let's just start with something like that, because that, that's a call that comes in. So are you being discriminated against?
0: Well, are they now treating me badly because I was out? because of this disability? And or is it because of the type of my disability? I come back, I had cancer, and then kind of like George Bush, when he wouldn't shake or hatch his hand because he thought he had cooties, he might catch his cancer. Are they treating me? Or people do this right, whether it's, you know, is the AIDS or cancer or leukemia or something a little icky. Are they treating you like damaged goods? Yes, it's disability discrimination. The question I think that you bring up is, you know, as a general rule under the American Americans with Disabilities Act, if you have a so-called bona fide disability, this has meaning that it has to be something legitimately, you have to have it, you know, under certain laws, like the New York City law, it could be a cold, it could be anything that they have to, an impairment. It's anything that you subjectively feel you need a little bit of time to recover from. Under the federal law, you have to be something seriously enough serious enough to affect the so-called major life activity, like eating, walking, sleeping, sex, you know. It has to be generally a diagnosable issue. It has gotten in the last few years, the law has gotten much more sort of expanded and more progressive and it now covers certain pregnancy-related disabilities and disabilities previously that were never covered. It was horrendous until 2008. But basically, the short of it is if you have, if if you were in a car accident and you were messed up for a while and you were out, Okay, how long are you out? The question is always the needs of the individual with this disability versus the needs of the employer. It's like the, you know, from that Star Trek with Spock, the needs of the many versus the needs of the one. That is the balance always. And they the employer has to say, "Well, wait a minute, this if this is an undue hardship on us." Like, "Wait a minute, you were in a car accident, so how long are you going to be in the hospital in traction? 6 months?" Well, and then how how long is it going to take you to get back to work? Another three months, and then you're on light duty. So when can we see you back rocking and rolling a year from now? We love you, but why would we wait for you? We don't have to. So the question is always reasonable accommodation under every Disability Act is sort of the buzzword for how much time, and usually that's what the accommodation is. It could be something different. I always hear, he, he, I don't know if I, uh, there's one I talk about if you're losing your vision because of macular degeneration, but you only need a new monitor to be able to see for the next five years because you're going blind very slowly. And the new monitor costs $163, and you ask your employer to please buy it at the visually impaired shop, and they say, sorry, no, I'm not buying your I well, If you can't see the monitor without that $168 enhancement with your disability, you too bad, tough noogies, then that's disability discrimination probably safe. It's probably safe to say because it's not an undue hardship to spend 160 bucks to keep somebody performing the essential functions of their job. If you lose your vision entirely now, you go blind and you're a proofreader and you ask your company to hire someone to read to you so there will be two people doing your job, they could rightfully say, that's not reasonable, that's an unreasonable accommodation. We're sorry, we don't have, we can't retrofit this whole place in Braille and you're a proofreader. So, sorry, go out on disability, all right? So um, it's the question of whether the accommodation is reasonable is always and whether it's an undue hardship on the employer to accommodate you. And what are we, it's either going to be, what do you need to keep working right now? Do you need to work from home sometimes? Do you need to come into work at 11 o'clock and leave at 7 instead of 9 to 5 to miss the heavy rush hour for different reasons? We it has to be some type of accommodation balance that makes sense in terms of what do we need to do to keep you earning a living and it doesn't look like we're saying again too bad next time stay healthy yatch right we can't mm-hmm. so so and it's not you know it's certainly the jurisdiction the jurisdiction it's different but under federal law um you know it has gotten increasingly much more liberal. In fact, now there is protection for associational, disability associational discrimination. If your, you know, husband, wife, kid, anybody really, doesn't even have to be a family member, um, has a disability and they treat you differently because of their concern about it, like your, Maybe you'll be, we won't hire you because your husband's got cancer and you won't be here very much or somebody's got AIDS and you're this like, eh, so or cooties or you're bringing the wrong. Anything to do with your association with someone that they don't like because of their disability is also now prohibited under federal law. That's a, that's a, that's a good one. So that's what, it, so again, the car accident that comes down to, you've got, you know, there's a basic rule of thumb. If you're and again, it depends on the size of your employer, but let's just say you have an employer that's fairly large, and let's say it's covered by the FMLA, and you were in this car accident, you were injured, you'd get three months of time to recover. You get three months, unpaid leave, you get to come back, you get your job if you could do it in three months. What if you can't do it in three months? What about if you need one more month? Well, if you say to your big employer, I've been here for 15 years, my doctor says I need four more weeks to be on my feet now. I had complications, I had sepsis. And they say sorry, you only get through twelve weeks. You're not getting four more weeks. We're not waiting for you, and they fire you. I mean, you know, we would take that case. Mm-hmm. Chances are, because what do you mean you didn't wait another four weeks? One week, six weeks? Is it a define? You know, it's always a balance. It depends if your employer has you know four employees, and you are the pivotal person, and you know they might go. We're going out of business. We have to have you know. It always sort of depends. But let we're we're assuming here you work for in this you know some sort of a big company that. Or even a medium-sized company, or even, you know, any company that's covered by federal law with 15 employees, right? Kind of big enough. And so they have to go through this whole, you know, go through the exercise of, is it undue hardship? What do you need? And you need to keep that same kind of paper trail of a record. If you need, if you're out because you're in a car accident, you get the doctor to keep right And if you keep needing two more weeks, when somebody says to me, well, but my doctor says I need three more months on top of the first three months. And I'd say, well, would he be willing to... Initially, say you need four weeks. Go four weeks to go two weeks, two week increments, because they're not going to fire you for two more weeks. They're handing us that case, and if you need two more and two more and two more, at some point they might say, you know, we're getting very close to not wanting to feeling it's an undue hardship, and we're going to say, you know, if you can't be back by July fifteenth, we're going to put you off of the payroll, and you could call that what you want, but yeah, we're separating you from employment. But after six months, five months, nine months, depending on the job of your situation. Right, we have this all the time here, where you know, and sometimes there's a difference of opinion. Well, of course, we have city law that's very progressive. Where I might say, no, they didn't have to wait for her for seven months, and my partner will say, they should have. They were on notice, and the reason they fired her was directly because of her. They're saying they're firing her because of her sickness. Let's say, but but so you know, it, it still comes down to you keeping a, a sort of strict kind of records of, and not and not taking advantage of you know, well, if I'm home, if I'm sick, they'll wait for me, because, no, they don't really have to. And even if you're not covered by the Family Medical Leave Act, you're on short-term disability, you're on disability. You had mentioned at the beginning, Deborah, if you're injured at work, different story. Right. Because if you're injured at work, by the way, it's workers' compensation. It's, it's, it's different in terms of, you know, who pays and so forth. It's not different in terms of when you can come back to work or are they allowed to fire you. You what know,
1: happens, just as another, I had a couple other questions. So somebody gets hurt, and their doctor says they need another six weeks. But they the company says, you have to go to our doctor. And their doctor said, you're clear to go back. Mm-hmm. And the, the employee is mm-hmm. like, my doctor said, no, I mean, I'm, I can still feel that I probably shouldn't, but I need my job. And their doctor is saying, "I have to go back what what it, what happens' He's right
0: well i mean you 're right because you 're going to listen to your doctor and your loved ones and you 're going to say, My physician says i 'm not ready to go back to work and that it would be bad for my health in the somewhat rare situation at that point where the company says but because um, usually it's I don't, sometimes it's the other way around. But if the company says, well, wait, we don't believe you need another six weeks, we're going to spend the money and have you go to an independent medical exam. And their quack doctor says, you're right as rain. I've never seen anybody healthier than you. Look, you can bend and you can touch your waist. Uh, you got to come back to work. So they've cleared you and you're not now. I mean, they could argue if you're saying your doctor says you need two more months and their physician says you don't need anything because, but that's, it's because their physician is saying you're full of, you know caca that's what that means so if their physician is saying uh, i mean that 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 literally that's why it's not that often that it would happen their physician says there's nothing wrong with you i don't see it the mri is negative the x-ray is negative and now you're saying it's emotional well i think you're ready to go back to work so it would be an undue hardship on on my this employer to wait for you another two months cause there's nothing wrong with you um well if you don't come back to work when their physician says it and they're comfortable with there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with you and you say, I'm staying out because my doctor wins, um, then they're, they could fire you. doesn't mean you wouldn't have potentially a disability discrimination charge, but the you know, complaint, the question is who is right, and that's why that doesn't necessarily happen you know, that much. Well, but,
1: actually, I think we, that's okay. where we get a lot of calls. Like okay. my doctor said no, their doctor said yes. So here's another one. Um, somebody the other day, um, she seems to be out frequently a cold, a sore throat, sometimes her back hurts, whatever it is, about every three weeks she's out at least one day, has a doctor's note, goes to her doctor, is covered. But she seems to be, she has physical, you know, she's sick a lot. And they've written her up for excessive absences, She's been there over just a little over a year, but it's excessive absences.
0: I mean, the re- the reason is no one will tell you. There is no, there's no black and white answer to this, because if they're writing her up for her absences that are excused with doctor's notes, that's almost per se disability discrimination. I mean, you know, that's the type of case that Bill Sipser would love. You know, it's like they're writing her up for, you know, doctors are saying she had a sore throat today, but we don't like the fact that you've had that sore throat because you had bronchitis two weeks ago it's disability discrimination mm-hmm. especially when they're putting it in that particular way but but if they ongoingly start documenting and it's all remember so it's about if it's about how big are we what's your job function how sick are you what do you need how if it looks like you're malingering if it starts looking like you're a hypochondriac if every time you're out it's like yeah i went to my doctor but he says i have sinusitis again or radiculopathy i had an adjustment for my chiropractic it's the same thing. I went to my shrink, said I needed a mental health day. And he wrote it up. Mm -hmm. I was anxious. Okay, but at some point, they might say, and they can and they do, we're like done with this. We're not your family. We're not a group home. And we're not, our compassion has limits because we're a capitalist society and drop dead. We have to keep covering for you all the time. So it's what's reasonable? Mm -hmm. They might try, a smart company might try to figure out a way to sort of put you out to pasture. But you know that's where it becomes. What's wrong with this person? Like the, I'm thinking of one we have just like that. It's ongoing, where they're like, okay, there's never any diagnosis, and the diagnoses are always like we're we're still working on this for a year, and they if they say, well, again, you know, we're we've, we're we're very compassionate, except that don't do it on our time. So it, it's just a balance of if the person's constantly having you know something else every other week. First of all. Are they well past their sick days? You know, these are the, there are some basic questions. Do they have a certain amount of sick time? They could be out. You know, back when, when I was at working at the legal aid in the 80s, we had union lawyers unlimited sick leave. And one of my office mates took every Friday I called him sick. And it was like part of the union contract. As long as he didn't have cases on, you could kind of get away with that. So it really does depend on you know how abusive it seems and whether or not you have you know if if if, if you if you and I let's say progressive people would look at it and say come on we, you know get a you know figure this thing out you're out way too much and it doesn't seem we're not the ones to do this with you um, uh, you know right. I could see how you could fire someone and say we'll take our so is there
1: innocent. anything particular that a um if you are out on a disability leave that you should be doing like one of the things that you know i'll often say to people is stay in touch with your company Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know are there things that they that you should do let's say you know you're out it's now an approved eight weeks twelve week you know you're going to be out
0: well if you're out on an approved eight week disability leave whether it's for your maternity leave or because of your car accident or your Lyme disease, or fill in the blank um, if you 've got the piece of paper that says you 're out for eight weeks now, thank you very much we 'll see you then you don 't really have to do anything but what you know I think you 're alluding to is you want to keep your company in the loop, you want to keep them apprised you do you don 't want to be like what they 're saying we, if, if they 're saying At the end of the day, which is what they often say, we were trying to reach you. You were AWOL. Where were you for all this time? And you're saying, I was calling. and No one was answering. I was texting my boss, and she didn't, you know. You're making them boo-boos there. It's a mistake because you're giving them the ammunition to say, whoa, 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 we sent you. We called you. Your phone was disconnected or whatever, and you were just, you know, incommunicado. So what you want to do is be the proactive one to say, excuse me, each time again, I've sent Formal. I've sent emails. Following up, saying my, you know, and I've copied three people on it. Be proactive. You know, I've copied my boss right. and her boss and the HR person, saying just went to the doctor. They want to keep because you care about your job and you want to show the respect right. for your colleagues, right? But you and don't want to be
1: out of sight, out of mind, right? And you,
0: and you don't want to also be acting like you are just the out of sight, out of mind. Home is I'm home watching now. You know, the you know I'm binging on HBO on demand. I'm sick. I could do it, and that's fine, but there is a built-in resentment to your colleagues who aren't sick and don't get to watch HBO in bed unless you're dying. And so if you don't sort of keep keep them, like, the sense of you don't have to send them flowers, but if you don't try to show, I really wish I was there and not here, and I'll be back soon with bells on, and I'm sorry if I need one more week, people are people, and they react to that. Like, okay, well, this is a job. Remember, it's not a hospital. We're not here you know this isn't supposed to be uh, like you know this isn't sort of under the Rehabilitation Act. We're working with you. You're you're working in this country right now where there's right a, a, hundred, a thousand employees, a thousand people want your job.
1: Right. So. So here's the one last question on this. Um, so you call out sick. You have the flu. You're out of work. Let's say you're an hourly worker. You're out sick for two or three days. You have the flu. You know the flu that's gone around. You know I was in and out with it. While you're out sick, you get fired.
0: Well, generally speaking, if you—I mean, why are you fired? Are you fired because they're saying while you're you, out you,
1: sick again? Okay,
0: but I mean, just so, but right. Usually, the employer even smart enough these days to know they're not just saying. Well, you just said you were out a couple of few days. You're an hourly worker, and I was going to say you could be out for a couple of few weeks as an hourly worker or a salaried worker, and they say, we're firing you because we discovered X, Y, and Z. We don't care where the hell you are or what the hell you're doing. We just realized you stole from us or what have you. But if they're calling you up and saying, because that's what you're saying, you're just sort of a low-level hourly worker. Yeah. And they're like, you know what, where is she? And this is
1: too annoying. Right. Just where is getting, she? Yeah. Forget get her. Fire well, her. Get somebody
0: else okay. in. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a case. Okay. I mean, again, if you're the waitress, who just working in a place, but it's important to you, and you're working at, you know, Papa John's, and it's important to you, and you're just stringing this to get, Ooh, you know, Papa John's. Well, any of you, they're all lousy. I'm just picking places. Yeah. So you you pick you pick at some crummy place that you're barely making ends meet, and they're not paying you a living wage. But you're sick for a few days, and then they fire you. And there's some documentation that you've at least notified them that you're out sick, and that you could get a note that you were in fact sick and not at the arcade. That's disability discrimination. That's what makes. That's what. That's why bringing these cases has created the situation over the last bunch of years where we're in a position where companies are loath to do that. And think about it. Used to be, you could, of course, fire somebody when they were sick. Right. They were sick and old, black mm-hmm. and Jewish and female. Right. So it, it's definitely a serious protected status disability, as well. It should be, and getting more so. I, I'm. I'm actually happy to to announce. That the Americans with Disabilities Act is the one federal law that covers, yes, you have to have 15 employees to be covered by it. And there are other laws in your state, probably like there are in New York, that can be less employees, like four, and in New Jersey, one. And you're covered by disability discrimination laws in your state. But generally speaking, for disability, you just, you're entitled to this compassion known as a reasonable accommodation of your disability. That, that, you know, they need to look at what they can do to keep you functioning, performing the essential functions of your job as long as it's not an undue hardship like hiring someone to read to you because now you're blind. The blind proofreader. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it does. Okay. Uh, And I just, that's funny line. uh, uh,
0: My uh, next uh, question
1: uh, flew out of my head.
0: Well, were you trying to get into, you know, segue into age, or you were talking about disability right till the end? Well, I just
1: thought since we spent so much time doing the first, three steps which that's what ends up happening is we end up repeating
0: well it's again, it's steps. all the same so with as you said at the beginning of this show or when we were talking about it, maybe before we were on the air is, whether it's this disability or because of you know your age or any other reason you know remember he, here's the thing under federal law Race, color, religion, sex, national origin, age, it's disability. Really quick, that well, well, well okay, well, religion, again, so the federal law, if the exercise of your religion is being, you know, impacted. Somebody
1: called last week, uh, she's Muslim, her manager happened to be Muslim also, the only two people in a big, big department store who actually prayed. And... She feels she was terminated because they didn't want her around.
0: Well, again, because you we're of well, I don't, you're not allowed, what, praying in the workplace.
1: Praying in the workplace. All right, well,
0: that's another story, though. Again, whether you're praying, you know, they, that's another story. I mean, the, the concept. How
1: is that another supposed, story? Because
0: you're not, you know, I mean, are you are praying on their time? Are you or what are you, are you, you know, dovening in the hallway? I mean, there's a you're not entitled to. Practice your religion on your employer's time any more than you're entitled to proselytize to others. The idea, though, is that if they don't give you Passover off or they treat you differently because you're, which often probably is happening more so these days as it was to this woman, Muslims are being held to a different standard as they are. Again, you wouldn't see this Religious Restoration Act in Indiana if we were talking about, right, Muslims, not Christian, right, you know, my, the, the identity, the corporation is a Christian corporation, so it can't possibly, you know, make a cake for a gay couple. Because uh, we're Christians, and if we were Muslims, you wouldn't see the governor standing up there and saying, "That's cool." So it's the question of whether or not you're being targeted as an employee because of who you are, um, you know, as uh, due to your religion. Is you know, our our music so? Oh,
1: I didn't hear it, but anyway, it was the, the the baker would not make an anti-gay cake. Cake.
0: The baker wouldn't make an anti-gay cake. Yeah. That
1: you know, anti-gay people came
0: and said. We'll we'll have to have a show on homophobia and baking uh, next time. But for Jack (laughs) Tucker and Deborah (laughs) Orell, Women's Rights in the Workplace Advocates, signing off, looking forward to seeing you again next week at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here, same place, the Progressive Radio Network, same place on your dial. Thanks for joining us today. I hope that it was at least partially entertaining or educational. And have a strong and powerful week. And remember, democracy isn't a spectator sport, and despair isn't an option. So get involved in some way so that we can all still be surviving and living and making money into the next 20 years. Have a great night.